the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's very clear from Scripture that God is involved in our sanctification. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord. Do you really know what sanctification is? Well, it means to be made holy, and then to be set apart for your unique role in God's plan. We're going to hear more about that as Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno continues his series on the art of living. And today he'll talk about those things that uh, are speed bumps in our lives, so to speak, when it comes to being made holy. I'm Mike Trout. Thank you for joining us. More details about Church of the Highlands in San Bruno are on the web at highlands.us. The Christian is always dealing with three sources of struggle, and that is Satan, this world, and the flesh. Satan, this world, and the flesh. The spiritual realm, the environment around us, the environment within us. Every believer struggles against the sin that resides in their members. And even though he was perhaps one of the greatest pastors, preachers, missions, missionaries, theologians in the history of Christianity, the Apostle Paul in his old age confessed in Romans 7:18, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. This is that great apostle being very transparent in that moment saying, you know, I know I should be doing this, but I end up doing that. I'd like to do this, but I end up doing that. There's this struggle within. And then as he concludes his description of that struggle, he says, who's going to save me, O wretched man that I am? And that brings in the incredible chapter 8 of Romans. Therefore, there is, there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He says, I, I struggle. You know, I am so glad that the great apostle wrote these words and that the Holy Spirit gave them to us 2,000 years later because I find an incredible encouragement in them. If the great apostle had to struggle against his sinful nature, then who am I to think that I'm not going to have to struggle against mine or you're not going to have to struggle against yours? This struggle against the sin that is in our flesh will continue. We can't be perfect. Why, why, why should we even try to be perfect? Well, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 48, you're to be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. You see, uh, fathers like their children to look like and act like them. It's, it's normal. And our Heavenly Father wants us to be like Him. He wants people to see the family resemblance. He doesn't want us to look like or act like the rest of this rebellious world. And, and the Bible is very clear that the behavior of his children should be unlike the rest of the world. You know, the scriptures call us a peculiar people. How do you like being peculiar? 
Peculiar means you're different. You stand out. You don't quite fit in. We have been called to not quite fit in. If we're fitting in, something's a little wrong, and we need to examine that. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 7, 1 says, Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. And I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Now, because we have these promises, dear friend, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit and let us work towards complete holiness because we fear God. Let us work. Let us work towards complete holiness. The word there, holy, is from hagias, and the idea is a separation or a consecration, a devotion to the service of God Almighty. It's used to describe things that were dedicated for sacred purpose. For instance, in the temple, they had knives, and the knives were like any other knife, the same kind you could buy in a store. But these knives were set apart for the temple. They were only to be used in the temple, only in sacred service. And because of that, these knives, which were otherwise common, were called hagias, were called sanctified, were called holy. We who are otherwise, like other people, have been set apart to be sanctified, to be called holy. The word's used in Scripture in several ways. The first way is it identifies something or someone who has been set apart in God's mind. You remember um, when um, Moses came to the burning bush and God told him to take his shoes off for the ground that he was standing on was holy. It was just like any other ground. But this ground was sacred. It was set apart for a very special event, and that was initiating Moses into the ministry before him, that God was commissioning Moses for that very special assignment. So it's used to describe something or someone that's set apart in the mind of God. Another way is to describe something that's set apart in our minds. For instance, uh, the word hagias was used to describe believers, and the apostle Paul called the believers saints. Remember in 1 Corinthians, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together. And so it, it was used to describe uh, a person who was set apart by Christ. And if you're a believer, then you're a saint because you are called to a sacred purpose. And you are, you are called to be set apart from things that are common in this world. And then there's a third way that this, this word is used. And that is to describe behavior that is pleasing to God, sanctified behavior. And there's never been anyone who lived a life that was more pleasing to God than Jesus Christ. Remember what God said at his baptism, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. 
And what God wants us to be is like Jesus. God wants us to conform to the image of Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 29 and 30 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And this is a list of the things that God has done for us. And you know what's missing from the list? Sanctification. Why? Because sanctification is something that we do with God, that God does with our cooperation. Sanctification is a progressive work where we become more and more like Christ. Now, we're not suggesting by any means that the roles are equal in terms of God and us, but simply that we choose to cooperate with God in His work of sanctifying us. It's very clear from Scripture that God is, is involved in our sanctification. First Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord. So God is involved in sanctifying us, and we're also involved as well. Romans 12, 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, there's that word, hagias, sanctified, and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And so the apostle commands us to present ourselves holy. So how can we participate in our sanctification? Well, sanctification involves removing that which is unholy from our life. What is unholy is that which is done in rebellion and disobedience. And, and, and so we're, we're asking God to help remove that rebellion and disobedience from our lives. And leading up to every decision of rebellion, also called sin, is a process that's called temptation. There's this process. And if we can catch temptation before temptation catches us, then we can short-circuit that fall into failure. Now, chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians reveals seven truths about temptation. I'm reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 and 13. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. As I said, there's seven truths about a temptation. One of them, the first one, is that we're most vulnerable when we think we are strong. When we think we're strong, that's when we're most vulnerable. And that's why we need to be aware of our weaknesses. And guess what? Our real weaknesses are in our blind side, our blind spot. We cannot see our real weaknesses. And that's one of the reasons why being in Christian community, a real, genuine, authentic, transparent Christian community is so important to each every one of us because our Christian brothers and sisters can see our weaknesses in those blind spots we can't and bring them to our attention and help protect us from our, ourselves. 
We're most vulnerable when we think we're strong and we're unaware of our weakness in that blind spot and we really, really need each other. Second, it tells us that temptation attempts to overtake or seize you, as it's in some translations. An army that seizes a city takes control of the city. And sin wants to take control of you. Remember what God warned Cain in chapter 4. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, then sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. We must not allow ourselves to be mastered by anything except the Holy Spirit in our lives. You've been listening to uh, part two in a series called The Art of Living on this broadcast called Study Verse by Verse. I'm Mike Trout. Our teacher is Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. He's actually going to uh, spread this theme over six broadcasts. We'll wrap it up on Monday. If you'd like to uh, know more about Church of the Highlands, they're on the web at highlands.us. And this ministry is available on the web at Study Verse by Verse. Pray for us, please, and join us tomorrow when we'll once again, or at least Pastor Layton will, open the Word of God and help us study verse by verse.